You are listening to Fancy Face and Friends. Hello, everyone. I have Jara here. Hi, Jara. Hi, Nicholas. Hello, everyone. Glad to have you back on another episode of Fancy Face and Friends. Um, Unfortunately, though, we do have to start with something that was really tragic that happened in New York this week. Um, The there was a man who it was like eight thirty in the morning, which is real like commuter time, right? It's Mm -hmm. like just before nine a.m. and just after five p.m. Anybody who's ever taken New York City public transport, particularly the trains knows that that like the trains are packed people are all over the place the platforms are packed like it there's a lot going on um as everybody's commuting to and from usually work but there was a man who pulled on a gas mask um while riding the in train in as in nancy and dropped two devices that filled the car with smoke and then began firing the first of three 30-round capacity magazines into the car. Um, And they say those types of magazines are illegal in New York State. And I saw a video of, like, people running out of the train and a lot of smoke coming out. And I was, like, confused. Like, wait, what's going on? Is that a bomb? Like, what happened? Um, But he's been since apprehended. And um, he, they, according to New York Times, they say that he had at least 57 more bullets at his disposal, but the gun jammed. And a detective, the president of the Detectives Endowment Association said, quote, if that gun didn't jam, the probability of somebody dying is very high. God had to be watching out over that train. I've got to tell you that. By the way, nobody died from that, but 10 people were shot and a lot of people were injured because um, nobody died from that. 10 people were shot and a lot of people um, were injured because they were naturally running from all the smoke and probably confusion and also, you know, hearing gunshots. Um, So... It's, I was really shocked and surprised. I was shocked that nobody died, and I was shocked that that it happened in general. What did you think when yeah. you saw? Um, yeah, so, and this, I mean, I'm just going to preface this by saying I know it's a very sort of privileged position, but, like, I sort of took the stance of, like, not watching any footage of like what had happened or what had like unfolded i tend to stay away from stuff like that because i find it very triggering which again i know is a very like privileged thing to say because a lot of people don't have you know that i don't know opportunity to say i'm not gonna watch things because they make me uncomfortable or or whatever but um when I first found out, it was actually my sister who told me because the N train, as you mentioned, like is in Brooklyn. And that's like the line that I grew up on. It's the line mm. that was in my neighborhood. It was actually like a stop that was in my neighborhood that I grew up in and lived in till I was like 25. And so something like that to happen, like so close to home was so shocking, as you said, but just so like 
heartbreaking and like disconcerting and like just a sort of smorgasbord of things because I was immediately like, are my friends okay? Like, were they on the train? Like, yeah. And you just, you just like, it's New York City. So like, you know, we're no stranger to like crazy things happening here. But you don't expect that. (laughs) Yeah. You don't expect that. Like that was like beyond anything that I could have thought would have ever happened and would have happened like right in my neighborhood, which it happening in another neighborhood wouldn't have made it any better or any less horrific. But it's right. just like, uh, like I could have been on that train if that had happened, you know, five years ago or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So it, it was, um, it was very, very scary. But I think it's also signifies like a culmination of like increasing violence that's just been happening. I mean, not just in New York City, but it has been happening increasingly on our trains. But I mean, I think everywhere. Yeah. They say that there's been a rise in um, crime and violence um, all throughout the nation, which sort of goes hand in hand with what's going on with COVID. Like you yeah. see all these videos. One of the biggest crimes that I, I mean, I don't have any data in front of me, but one of the biggest crimes that I see repeatedly is um, people in groups um, stealing and taking from stores. Mm. Um and it's sort of natural in a sense like people are suffering and weren't working for a while i mean i lived completely out i still live completely outside of the states when covid first started but certainly Mm -hmm. till this day so i i i'm not quite i don't really understand the state by state and county by county um effect of whether you could go to work, not work, your company's closed, yeah. working from home. Like, I, I, I don't really understand all of that because I've been able to maintain employment throughout the entire time that COVID yeah, has happened. that's great. Um, but I can understand why there's so much crime and violence. Excuse me. No, definitely. Definitely. I mean, it's always, like, indicative of, like, a larger problem, like, the, the larger sickness, I guess, of, like, this sort of white supremacist capitalist machine that we're (laughs) all, you know, being forced to sort of survive under and in. And um, yeah, like you said, people are suffering and people need help and, and there isn't a lot of it to go around. And I, and that by no means excuses violence. Of course. Yeah. But I think it does provide a bit of nuance, right? Like, I don't think it's just bad people doing bad things even though that is part of it. But I think it's, you know, folks like really need help. Yeah. And it really needs solutions and guidance and resources to get, whether that's, you know, mental health access or just health access or, or whatever, you know, or or community, right? Like, I think a, a lot of folks are lacking in community and that isolation is also dangerous. Yeah, for sure. Um, have you ever had a moment have you ever been stuck on a train in new york um i'm sure i have been i have a terrible memory which (laughs) which i will just like apologize um in advance um i know i have been because like 
the New York City subway system is not great. Like, for one of the most, I don't know, advanced or more, I guess maybe more intricate systems because we have like a ton of lines going, you know, very far. Yeah. And it's pretty shitty. So, <laughs> so I know I've been stuck before because trains always like derail or there's signal problems or whatever, but I've never been stuck for like a significant amount of time to where like, um, you know, it's like a significant memory for me. Yeah. Have I, you? Yes. I have. There was one time I was coming home from, I used to work at an ice cream parlor, which is no longer in business. Ha ha ha. And, uh, <laughs> and rightfully so. And, um, I, for some reason they thought, oh, we want to be open to like, t- is ridiculous. We want to be open to like 2 a.m. Like what ice cream parlor is open till 2 a.m.? Because it was in West 4th. It was on West oh. 4th. And they thought the owner's idea was like, oh, drunk people will come in. But we never really had people come in. Like, who gets drunk and is like, I want ice cream. Like, that's really bizarre. <laughs> um, so anyway, I took the train uptown to... Um, I lived on the east side at that point. I believe it was... I lived on 109th. And um, we got stuck. I don't remember what time of what time in the middle of the night this was, but we got stuck on the train. The train stopped, um, but the train had not pulled into the next stop completely. Mm-hmm. So I was in the back of the train, and we had to, you know, we were waiting and waiting and waiting. And then they made some announcement, and I don't remember why, but for some reason we had to evacuate the train. And oh. I had to walk through, like, what it, a wagon? Is that what you call it? Or cart or yeah, whatever. Yeah, the train cars, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we had to walk car from car from car until we finally got to the, the point where we could actually exit the train and enter onto the platform. Um, and it was wild. Everybody was really confused, mm. and we were like... But because I think after what happened in 9-11, which I did not live in New York during that time, when those thing, when those moments happened, just similar to what happened Tuesday morning with this shooter, I can imagine that people go to that place of, like, large-scale disaster because mm-hmm. New York has had that history of 9-11. And... Yeah there's a lot of anxiety when it comes to like I, I i moved to new york in 2004 and when these mo- when these moments have happened because that's not the only one um there is a fear of like well, what's happening like are we being told what's going on like what is going on what if i leave the train what's happening outside you are for the most part underground trapped in a moving vehicle that stopped yeah yeah it's it's true i think it's like it's like twofold with new yorkers (laughs) which is why like i love and hate you know the city um because i feel like and my friends and i discussed this sort of after the events happened on tuesday was like we while there is right that innate panic because like you said we have faced you know tragedy and things of that nature before um where you need to be aware and alert but there's also this like desensitization as well 
to where, you know, you're just like, all right, it's another day in, like, in New York, it's another day on the train. Because we were saying, like, folks still had to go to work, right? Like, after mm-hmm. everything happened on Tuesday. It wasn't like after that, they shut down all the trains and no one went to work and we all just got a collective day off. It was like, no, everyone still had to function as normal. And I feel like that's kind of New York City, right? Like, this crazy thing happens, but what happens? Like, you get to the platform and they either are like, hey, we have an express bus upstairs. Like, go take the bus. And you're like, okay. Oh, right, yeah. Or, you know, or like, you know, they're like, go on the other side, go back a stop, and then we'll reroute you. And you're like, okay. You know, like, you just, you're just like, okay, I get, like, this makes sense, I guess. Even though anywhere else in the world, you'd be like, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that the New York City public transportation system, the trains and that, the metro, mm-hmm. is horrendous. Yeah. <laughs> like the amount of complaints that they must get daily, the trains not working properly, being stuck on trains, um, trains not coming on time. It's just mm-hmm. a nightmare. And I lived all throughout New York. Like I lived, I was telling you before we started recording that I uh, first lived in Astoria, Queens. But I've lived in, um, oh my God, I can't remember the neighborhood. I lived off the L train in Brooklyn, um, the Halsey stop. Was that, um, is that Williamsburg or Bushwick? Bushwick, Bushwick. thank you, yeah. Bushwick. I lived in Bushwick. I've lived in the Bronx. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I lived off of Gun Hill Road. That was the most horrific experience I've ever had. That's a story for another day. But Yeah. The, <laughs> Jennifer Lopez isn't the only one who takes the six train, I'll tell you that. Um, but <laughs> I, it, it's been all of, like, really all of, Jackson Heights, I lived in Jackson Heights for a bit with a friend mm. in Queens. Um, it's, it doesn't matter what train you take. Yeah. It's just like, although the L train is terrible. Because I know that they were trying to do this, like, oh, the L train is all, like, clean and new. And, you know, they were, there are two different types of New York City trains that I remember. And there's the one with, like, those terrible, like, 70s orange and, you know. <laughs> yes, like, yellow. Yeah, yeah the like orange and yellow cars. Yeah. Yeah, there's that, where the seats face, you can sit facing each other against the car. car. And then you mm-hmm. can see you can sit like facing the other direction. Mm-hmm. Um, we can face down the car and look like directly down. There's those, and then there's like the updated like, blue ones that there are no seats like that. You just sit yes. facing each other against the car. Your back is against the like car or the windows, and um, there they aren't technically like s- seats. It's just yes. like one long row um, in sections, of course, throughout that one particular car, but throughout the train in general, there are those. So the L train was like all very much that, but they didn't invest in any kind of time management. Mm. Like this is the only train that I can take going into work and you're 20 minutes late. Well, like what? Yeah. Yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense. I, 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 but I think you don't realize until you go other places. Yeah, and then that's you, how I know like that. You just, 
you just assume, right, like that it's like that everywhere. Because you're like, oh, this is New York City. It must be like this everywhere. And then you go to other cities and you're like, oh, no, look how efficient this is. Yeah, when I moved, I didn't realize that until I moved to London. And Yes, they, oh, I love, I love London's metro. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, it's just one, first off, clean. Let's start with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the platforms are also clean. They, they're kept neat and tidy. I very rarely saw trash. And when they tell you when the train is coming, that's when the train is... There's no, like, guessing game. The -hmm. train is coming. They're on time. And it's even more efficient in places... I've heard, I've I've not experienced this personally, but it's even more efficient in places like Japan. Yeah, I've heard that as well. And I believe it. And I feel like... I think that's a joke, like, so many of us make, is, like, the, the cost of riding the metro or the MTA here in New York City goes up continuously. Yeah, and people are but, mad but about like, that. But, like, none of the amenities do, you know? Like, right. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, they are updating the train cars, and they have made a lot of updates to, like, stations. So they are, like, renovating, but, like, what really needs to be renovated is the infrastructure of the actual, like, tracks and stuff of that nature, which... yeah. I think they always say, like, nobody planned for having, you know, this amount of people utilizing these trains or utilizing these rails, and that's why everything is so, like, outdated, which I guess makes sense, but you would think, like, there would be, like, a a plan of, like, every four years we update it, right, as the population right. continues to grow. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm like, that seems like common sense, but, like, I'm not in politics. Like, I don't know. <laughs> It does seem like common sense. Like, how are other places able to do it? Population is growing all over the world, not just in New York City. And they don't seem to be having that problem in London. I will tell you this, though. Um, I don't know if you know this, but the shooter, his name is Frank James. He was 62. He was arrested without incident because um, by patrol officers in Manhattan's East Village neighborhood the next day. So the shooting happened Tuesday morning. He was arrested Wednesday afternoon. And he was arrested because... He, on Tuesday, called in a tip to Crime Stoppers that led to his capture. Isn't that phenomenal? Yeah, so he wanted to be caught. Yeah. I don't really understand. And he's also currently, I mean, this is like developing, right? So there's going to be more news updates and we'll get more information. But as of right now, he's, um, he's been granted no bail. Mm-hmm. And he has been charged with um, some kind of, I don't, I'm like looking right now, but I can't seem to find it. He's been charged with some kind of uh, terrorist thing, mm. um, charge. And I, which, okay, all of that stuff is great. And again, it's good because th- one life is too many. It's good that no lives yeah. were spared, although it's still tragic that people were shot, um, mm-hmm. including the person that was sitting next to him on the in-train who said he was shot in the back of his knee. Um, I am glad that he's been apprehended. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm just like... It's crazy to me that he, like, what if he had not called Crime Stoppers? Yeah. Yeah. I mean. And what if he was actually good at shooting? 
They say that he oh, had. No. They said that he was. They said uh, one of the officers said that he had poor aim. How are you on? So you and I have both been on the trains in New York City. Mm-hmm. And, and many people who are probably listening have also visited or lived there. You, you are this close to people at eight thirty a.m. Yeah, they get pretty packed. You're like, there's like standing room only sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, like if that, if that, y- yeah. You are so close to people that you have to worry about. And I wear skinny jeans. Okay, you have to worry about <laughs> being pickpocketed. Like, you are that close, like, you have to hold clutch onto your bag. Because you don't want anybody to open and take something out of your bag. So, how is it possible that he shot a train full of people and didn't kill anyone? I mean... I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe some can say that that's like fate or the universe or destiny or like maybe he wasn't trying to kill. Maybe he was just mm, trying to make yeah. a scene. I mean, will we ever really understand his motivations and his intentions? I, not, I doubt it. I mean, as far as like he's willing to express himself, I don't know that it'll still even make sense. But that does seem kind of intentional that um, maybe he was not aiming to kill, mm. but, but but I don't know. Like, I don't, does that make it be- better? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. So one of the um, crazy people in Congress, um, because there are a number of them, um, mm-hmm. she said that um, this wouldn't have happened if the train had if people were armed on the train. Oh my god, please. And I'm just thinking like, okay, well, he obviously didn't know what he was doing or like you mentioned, maybe was purposeful in where he was shooting. Although, the thing is, if he detonated all of that smoke, mm-hmm. you can't really see the only video that I saw was of people leaving a smoky train. I didn't mm-hmm. see, like, any footage inside. I didn't hear, like, people, like, screaming and shots going off. I didn't I didn't see any of that stuff. I only saw people leaving the train. And my thought is, like, okay, you can't really see. You're the shooter. But y- you think it would have been better had other people been armed and they would have been shooting around? It's chaos and hysteria. Yeah. And you think yeah. it's more guns is the solution? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that rhetoric doesn't make sense and, and will never make sense to me. I feel like, you know, we, and I mean, I don't know. It, it's like one of those things where you're like, do I say, do I not say? But like, fuck it. Like, if we just get rid of the guns. Like, <laughs> right. That like, you know, that we don't have these things happening. You know, I don't feel like arming more people is ever the right solution and I know there are people like well if if people don't have guns then how can they protect themselves but it's like if no one has guns then you don't need to protect yourself from right. a gun it becomes like obsolete Right. so unless you know if you're talking about military weapons which are used in the military for that specific reason or like hunting rifles which are used very specifically 
to hunt for food, you know, like in these very designated spaces. I don't really see the reason why anyone else wants or is in need of a gun when there are like places in the world where police officers aren't armed and still are able to function and do their job. So I don't know. That's just my take. (laughs) Yeah, I just think it's crazy. Like you can't gun violence happens because of guns yes <laughs> <laughs> and who are using guns people it's not cats yep. <laughs> you know what i mean it's like people are using guns and people are dying in their homes first and foremost because of firearm accidents um particularly children and then you've got like just like i understand I understand the theory of I want to protect myself so therefore Mm -hmm. I have armed myself but there are states that you don't even have to have gun training Mm -hmm. you can just go and purchase a gun and be a gun owner not know how to shoot the gun and just have it in your home and in some states walk around with it yeah that's mind-blowing to me that that's even that it's 2022 and you can even still have own a gun and not be trained in that weapon when you because it is a weapon whatever you're Mm -hmm. using it for it's still a weapon just like we know vehicles are weapons that's why yeah. we have um, vehicular homicide or manslaughter, depending on like what your intent was. You, but we, but I have to go take a test to use this vehicle mm-hmm. to show that I am in complete control of operating this potential weapon, mm-hmm. whether I'm using it as a weapon intentionally or not. A vehicle is one. It can be used as one. So I don't understand that there are states in 2022 that you don't have to learn how to shoot a gun. And like, even with this guy, like, was he properly trained in shooting a gun? And that's why he didn't kill anyone? Or that's just wild. Yeah, I don't know. I think, like, unfortunately, we'll continue to have these sorts of violent outbursts or these sorts of, you know, horrific incidents and things happening as long as, like, here in the States, like, our government continues to value property over people. Like... Yeah. It's this whole thing of, like, well, you have the right to protect your property, protect your... And it's just, like... But you have that right over, like, harming another life? Over, like, ending another life? Like, I just... I don't, I don't know. I just don't. <laughs> and again, people would be like, well, that's because you don't have property in order. Like, I'm, I'm all about defending yourself um, and self-defense and, of course, defending your home and your family or whatever. But I don't see why guns have to be involved. Like, like, like let's just get rid of them. Or, like you said, like, let's properly train people and educate folks and how to use them yeah 
and how to keep them safe safely locked up in your home so your kids don't find them and shoot themselves thinking it's a toy you know there's other but there are other my it's the same thing that's going on with covid like the u.s has a really and maybe because i've lived in a couple of other countries outside the u.s Mm -hmm. that i have kind of a different perspective and certainly again um while covid has happened i've lived outside of u.s i u.s has a unique um how should i put this you the u.s and u.s citizens have a unique perspective on this thing called freedom yes that they're (laughs) that they are willing to die for that other countries just don't have even if they have similar rights so an example of that is like it's only really in the u.s where people are acting a fool when it comes to you can't tell me to wear a mask you te- you can't tell my kids to wear a mask in school i demand something else you're you're infringing upon our freedoms it's only the u.s yeah. that's really doing that when you live in yeah. other countries in this time of the pandemic or you even travel to other places everyone's quick like i'm in thailand and nobody's complaining about having to wear a mask except mm. possibly foreigners because of course they're not yeah. used to that um yeah. wherever they come from but i mean like outside of asia but um th- nobody's really everybody's like okay i mean i'm so used to wearing a mask these last few years it doesn't even like okay it's not that big of a deal yeah, but it's in the no, u.s where they're like you're making me wear a mask and i have uh, at the baseball game <laughs> at coachella yeah, say, no yeah <laughs> doesn't go with my fit no yeah i mean it's it's a it's a gross sense of entitlement right and it's and but i would say like it's it's selective freedom though because it's Mm. it's not it's not that they mind that everyone else has to do it it's this entitled sense of but me even me you're telling me that i have to wear this mask because it's like if this were only happening in certain communities or things of that nature, they would all be, oh yeah, put the, put those people in the mask, make sure they wear their mask, make sure they, they have their, you know, um, vaccine papers and, and all this stuff. But the fact that it's like these people who feel like entitled and privileged and are of a certain demographic, yeah. <laughs> we are in the States and this is it, you know, we know the history of being here and it is yeah of course it's like when you're infringing upon their freedoms then it's it's a problem but it's like you know the, i don't know it's it's like the, this sort of individualized society or this individualized american dream that we've been spoon-fed over and over and over again is costing us so many lives because it's complete bullshit like this doesn't work if we don't as a collective come together and say hey i'm gonna value your life as much as i value my own and i'm gonna put on a fucking mask right because i know that it's gonna help protect you and me you know but when people are saying i don't want to do it i don't have to do it i didn't get covid i i i i i i it's like how do you expect any of us to make it out of this (laughs) right even further from the mask the reason why i brought the covid up was like something as simple as the vaccine for example Mm -hmm. people are lining up in other countries to get the vaccine and in some places dying to get Mm -hmm. it and in the u.s it's like 
oh, but, you know, conspiracy theorist stuff and, like, I, I, it's poison and it'll do this to you and that to you. And I, it's weird being outside of the U.S. and watching this happen mm-hmm. because I have the perspective of, but wait, the world, like, collectively, like, Johnson & Johnson mm-hmm. and Pfizer and Moderna and um, what was it, Sinovac, it's like sent all over the place i don't understand like either you're not reading the news in the either a lot of people in the states aren't reading international news or are so insular that they only care about america that they're not paying attention that you don't even realize Mm -hmm. that it's being the vaccines are going they're being spread out around the world and Mm -hmm. collectively citizens around the world countries to countries are taking this vaccine and it's been a year since the vaccines have come out you're still on this like but i'm gonna grow a third leg what (laughs) i I don't like that's not happened in anywhere else but you think in the states they're giving you something that can i just don't understand that so bringing it back to the guns i understand the right to protect yourself like you mentioned But there are places in the world, like Australia, even rural places, which Australia gets really rural. Mm Mm-hmm. You, they don't have the same issue. But in the U.S., it's very much like, but I was told that in the Constitution, I have my (laughs) Second Amendment rights to bear arms, back when they used muskets, by the way. But, like, I have the Second Amendment rights to bear arms... And so, therefore, because I was told that this is a right for me, I'm going to execute that right. Yeah, which I think, again, like, a lack of education, a lack of nuance in these conversations, like you like you just said, muskets, right? Like, no one thinks about the con, like, contextually when these documents were drafted. <laughs> And the nature of the times and of, like, the right to bear arms in defense of this brand new fucking country. Like, like, yeah, that that makes sense. Against a militia. Yeah, that makes sense in that context. And also against, you know, indigenous folks and bodies that they were, you know, committing genocide against. Like, okay, in that context, it makes sense. Also, transatlantic slave trade in seeing you know black bodies as property okay yeah that's what they meant but like how are you holding on to that ideal in a time that does that no longer exists that no longer exists yeah in a world it's where it's very strange only really white men could vote Mm-hmm. exactly like, i don't yeah there are a lot of things that are in the constitution a lot of them don't apply to like they didn't foresee social media yeah. They didn't foresee technology in the way that it's advanced, particularly in the last 20, 30 years. Like, mm-hmm. there are a lot of things that they just couldn't foresee. Mm-hmm. They were just living. I mean, what would the Constitution look like, for example, if it was just now drafted? It'd be completely different. Completely different. And it, and it should be different. Like, it, it should be. I know, like, there are so many other countries who have gained independence yes way later than we have due to colonialism and whatever but they always redraft their constitution it's like like a given thing it makes sense but like here no like like we hold on to these things so tightly this nostalgia this relic of a past that none of us were here for and actually doesn't serve any of us 
today. Yeah. But. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, stuff like this happens all the time here, and you're just like, what is it going to take? Like, you know, trigger warning, but, like, they, they shoot up schools. They shoot up churches. They shoot up movie theaters. They're shooting up train cars. Like, what's it going to take? You don't, like concert venue like you don't you don't know clearly nothing if it's not monetarily driven here like it's not yeah. gonna do anything i can't even it's it's so scary to think that you could be i mean already we are it's april it's mid-april so mm-hmm. there are over a hundred days that we've had so far in the year or about a hundred mm-hmm. days and there have been more sh- more mass shootings than days so far this year jeez like I I, it's not a downward trend yeah so it's something that is still a huge issue that's been an issue now for however many years um and it's getting worse so I don't And actually, there are polls that say, like, most of the country are for um, what they call common sense gun laws and gun Mm. reform, like being fully trained, like um, asking for, um, you know, proper identification, like having Mm -hmm. background checks. Yeah. Yeah. Common sense. That seems. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You would you would think the basic thing would be like a background check and a, like training of some sort, right? Like you you shouldn't just be able to go and purchase a gun and and ammunition for whatever purpose and like no one is checking it, like no one cares. But it's also too like the people who are being like criminalized for having guns are like predominantly obviously like black and brown people and like the poor communities which again predominantly have black and brown people that like have guns you know brought into these communities how do they get there we don't know but like that's that's where we're being policed and criminalized right but like those are not the people committing these crimes like on this scale on this scale so I mean, I was really—I yeah. don't know how you feel, but I was really shocked that it was a black man who did this crime. Me too. I was like, was he? I was like, was he? You know. <laughs> you just naturally think white guy. Yeah. Because yeah. that's all we've seen. Anytime there's been a mass shooting, I mean, let's be honest, it's never a white female. It's never mm-hmm. a female in general. It's yeah. It's rarely a black man. Like I was really like, what? Because. I, I just lost it because I, I changed um, browsers, so I can't remember what his name was. But he, I saw the image of him and I was like, oh my God, a black man? Like, wow. And again, yeah. no deaths, which is crazy. And it, there's a part of me that's like, I've, you talked earlier about being um, desensitized, um, riding around in the trains in New York to mm-hmm. there being issues, um, sometimes life-threatening or just regular train problems. And I've gotten so used to an article popping up 
and it being another mass shooting in the states wherever in the states because it doesn't even really Mm -hmm. matter and it being a white man yeah a a white man and then the in the article like that's why i'm really curious to find out what this like operating this man's mind Mm -hmm. because i i i want to know like what was your background what was going on in your life like why did you choose to take this this was a choice you chose to get a gun and you chose to get these devices that created smoke and you chose the in train and you chose to do that that day like what led you to all of that because in a lot of the articles that I've read in the past when any of these mass shootings happen you always get the stories of oh yeah they he seemed like he was nice but he was really quiet and even some of the school mm-hmm. shootings with kids with teenagers like oh he was always bullied all the time but he was really quiet he kept to himself and that's the same narrative that we get repeatedly when it comes to white male shooters. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I mean, we know why. I don't know that he will receive the same type of coverage. I doubt it. I highly doubt it. Um, yeah. There's, there's, there's less empathizing and compassion when it comes to black and brown bodies and you know crime or or terroristic acts of that nature um not that you want to sympathize with someone who commits these terrorist actions but there is generally a why right yeah you want to understand it it. so it doesn't happen again no matter who else commits the crime you want to figure out okay what's going on in society where somebody felt the need to do something Mm -hmm. like this yeah and let's reevaluate that because there is something and I've talked about this in the podcast before there is something going on in society in society in general no matter what race or age you are when it comes to the male ego um yeah when it because we've had things like time me too and times up and all these kind of nuanced conversations about like dating and sex and like Mm-hmm. appropriate behavior that men should have always had regardless mm-hmm. of what their sexual like what whatever they prefer gay straight whatever um there is a real consequence to that for victims of like yeah. sex crimes or not even just fully sex crimes sometimes it's just inappropriate behavior where you're like i've been in situations where men have i've worked in i worked at a gay bar in chelsea um mm-hmm. doing just coat check like just taking people's coats and then going downstairs and then putting them and giving them a ticket like leave me alone and i was in a situation (laughs) before where somebody just grabbed my ass and i turned around and i was like don't listen don't touch me like that again the next and this person was like slightly drunk which doesn't make it okay but like i can yeah not at all okay just like don't touch me again but also if you touch me again like that i'm gonna punch you so I'm just letting you know that now. He didn't, he walked away and he left me alone. Great. But like, there are situations that we've all been in, or a lot of us have been in, where it's just inappropriate. Like, don't, you can't just touch and say things. To, I've worked with female coworkers that have been yelled and screamed at in restaurants because I just told this story. I just said this to somebody who 
I recorded a podcast with earlier this week. I used to live in Hawaii and we worked together mm-hmm. at a sushi restaurant, but I also worked at another restaurant during the day, a huge, like the biggest restaurant in Waikiki. And um, a female coworker of mine, the closest one, the closest friend that I had there, mm-hmm. was yelled and screamed at by this man because his wait time was too long. But she told you what mm-hmm. the wait time was when you showed up. And it's a popular restaurant. Which is why I preface yeah. that by saying the biggest restaurant in Waikiki. The wait time can be two hours. They tell you mm-hmm. that when they give you the buzzer. Now you're upset that you had to wait an hour and a half. And he called her all types of names. Bitch and this and that. And I, was, I'm, I wasn't there. She told me the story later. Because that was the night shift. Um, and I didn't work there nights. But you hear that behavior spewing from men's mouths or their mm-hmm. hands. And you go like, ugh, yuck. And a lot of that has been changed because of Me Too and Time's Up. So men have to reevaluate how they act in society. And I think because that's such a huge um, mountain for them to climb, mm-hmm. for us to climb, for mm-hmm. society to help, like, I want to help men climb that mountain too. So society is just better for mm-hmm. all of us that we're seeing this really aggressive behavior coming from them that's always kind of been there but it's getting worse because they feel attacked yeah yeah no definitely i mean it is i feel a signifier of like you're saying pretty much like toxic masculinity right which is what like a sort of buzzword that we hear a lot online and on social media um especially nowadays um and and yeah i think it's like it's a sort of like, um, and you, you mentioned freedom earlier, but it's the sort of freedom that I want everyone to experience. It's like when you realize that you get to decide what a man is, what a man looks like, acts like, thinks like, like you get to decide that on an individual level, not based mm-hmm. off just, you know, what society dictates or prefaces as this is what a man does. This is how a man behaves. Um, and it's the same for those of us who identify as women or as non-binary, you know, femmes, mass, you know, whatever it may be. Like, you, we get to decide that for ourselves. And, yeah. I, and I love that the younger generation is in a space now where they're really trying to take ownership of that. And like, like, no, I get to decide what, you know, a man dresses like or what a woman dresses like or what I, you know, dress like or, or my pronouns or whatever it is. And it's like... I hope that everyone can at some point get to experience that freedom of living authentically without having to ascribe to these old sort of outdated dictates of like, in order to be a man, you have to be strong and you can't have feelings and, and whatever it is, you have to provide and just be like, no, like you can be sensitive and be a man. Like you can be, you can emote and be a man. You can be a provider. Sure. If that's your thing and be a man, like, you know, like, it's just like it'll 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 just help you all in the long run <laughs> like it'll help everybody honestly like yeah like there there's somebody an actress um from the 90s i won't say her name but she tweeted honest question what can we add and this is very specific um mm-hmm. to black men and black women but obviously the long the larger conversation about men in general which you which mm-hmm. you and i both just touched on but she said honest question what can we as black women in america do to stop aiding in the 
emasculation mm-hmm. of black men in America. And I was mm-hmm. I saw that because somebody retweeted that or somebody that I followed like liked it. So it came up on yeah. my feed. But I was curious, like, what are people saying in the comments? And I was pleasantly surprised that people were like, um, saying these things. Like one of the guys said, I appreciate the gesture, Miss Arnold, um, but I don't know if that, if that is your responsibility. In and of itself, emasculation is a subjective construct. Yes. Trans women, gay men portrayed in media, independent black women, none of this emasculates me my manhood isn't that fragile like there were a lot of men and women who commented and they were like no 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 that's not your there were some people who commented and said just general things like um it's not your place to like what do you mean emasculation of black men like what is a man like it's not your place yeah somebody actually pointed out we as women this is what she said like we and i'm paraphrasing because i don't have it in front of me Mm -hmm. but she was like we as women don't um, want men telling us how to be a woman, right? Mm. They don't want the mansplaining, as they say nowadays. Um, mm-hmm. Why are we trying to tell men how to be men? Yeah. And I'm like, that's actually really astute, because that's true. Like, you don't... How many times do you... There was just a football player this week. Um, what's it? Cam Newton? I don't know what team he plays. I'm not very big on sports. Neither am I, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so somebody named Cam Newton, a football player, um, was on a podcast or a radio show, and he was talking about women, and he said, you know, like, I get it, like, women are like, oh, you know, I'm a boss bitch, and this and that, but, like, can you cook? Can mm. you, um, can you fulfill your man's needs? Can you be there yeah. for you? Like, saying things like that, and I was, I'm like, oh my god, it's like, April? Like, is this April, <laughs> is April, like, 1992? Like, what year is it where somebody, a man is actually, with things going so viral in interviews, you're actually doing an interview, not like hot mic secretly recorded, you're actually doing an interview where you're spewing ridiculousness. Like, women need to know how to cook for you? To be a woman? To be yeah. your woman? And I feel like, I'm again I'm also not familiar with sports but like when you said Cam Newton I was thinking like he's he's someone who who dresses pretty like eclectically and in a way that like um hyper masculine men would be like offended by because he wears like colors and if I'm I, I I could be confusing him with someone but I thought he wore like nail polish and things of that nature I'm looking so, like, him I'm, up like, right confused. now if like he's like I mean toxic masculinity can strike at any moment. <laughs> you never know, you know. Um, yeah, I see but, him. I see him with a, a pink, a, a pink um, vest, a or what is this? A jacket? I don't know. Like a two tone? No, 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 no. He's wearing a white turtleneck and a pink, um, like puffy vest and a pink bandana, and his hair is up. Um, but he. They say in the, in the NFL in this article that I just pulled up that he's a free agent, um, but he's caused a stir on social media after his recent comments have gone viral based on what I just said. But it also says yeah. that he said, oh, my God, 
it's even worse than what I said. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He said, I think a lot of times when you get that aesthetic of like, I'm a boss bitch, I'm a this, I'm a that. No, baby, but you can't cook. You don't know when to be quiet. You don't know how to allow a man to lead. Mm. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I feel like there's been, like, a diatribe of these so-called, like, relationship coaches who have come out and have been like, um, yeah, but, oh, you're being, you know, the whole question of being emasculated, which I completely agree. I think it's subjective, and I don't think yeah. that anyone can emasculate you. Like, you can only emasculate yourself. Like, how right. could someone do that um, to you? But, um yeah, I, I feel like there are these people who are coming out and who are, like, preaching this whole, like, oh, you know, the reason why you can't get uh, a woman is because all the women want to be independent and they want to be men and they want to be this, this, and this, and this, and this. And, yeah, I think it's just, again, like, an entitlement thing. Like, and it feels like when you say, like, oh, boss bitch or whatever, like, it feels like he's subtly talking about like black women in particular Mm, (laughs) um which adds another layer to this to like the misogynoir and all that stuff but um yeah i i don't know it's like it's almost like you can't win right like if you are self-sufficient and independent meaning you know you can you can and enjoy taking care of yourself you somehow people equate that to meaning like you don't want to be in partnership or that like yeah and also like this additional thing of like letting someone lead like i don't it, uh, it's just so annoying it, it, <laughs> i don't know i feel like you like you earn leadership and in a yeah. partnership if we're yeah. looking for equity and equality which i believe all partnerships should have right then there are going to be times where you know i'm leading and times when you're leading depending on what the situation calls for and depending on our own strengths yeah strengths and, and weaknesses, and weaknesses. Like, yeah 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 like so if you come into it thinking i'm the leader i'm this this and this and i'm just looking for you to be appreciative and grateful for all that i can do for you it's like you don't want a partner you want a puppy like no yeah like you want a pet fucking dog then yeah like Like, (laughs) i i completely agree and i think that um they i don't understand why in society i mean maybe because of it, it's so like patriarchal misogynistic but mm-hmm. i don't understand in society where we got to this point and also because of laws right like women back in the yeah. day couldn't get credit cards they couldn't own a house they yeah. couldn't own a business without being married i mean we're talking about um like my grand my grandmother's alive my grandmother's generation mm-hmm. um so people who are still alive um we're not talking about the 1800s so yeah I think that this has always kind of been around in different forms, but it's just so confusing to be in a world where people think that, like myself, for example, even though I'm not a woman, I'm very independent. Mm-hmm. I don't, I told myself like years ago, not, I mean, it's fun to joke and be like, I want a sugar daddy. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. But like, <laughs> I don't want to. I, I want my own. I want to... Mm-hmm. I've always said when it comes to relationship conversations with friends that I've had over the years that I want to build my own foundation and I want somebody to come in and compliment that just like I want to do for their life. Whatever yeah. that entails. 
wherever I am in life, whatever I'm thinking mentally, emotionally, physically, like whatever's going on, I want us to complement and come into each other's orbit in sort of an equal, as much as it can be, space. Mm -hmm. And it may not ever really be equal for different reasons. But that's kind of what I look for in a relationship. I'm not that interested in having somebody come in and take care of me and like pay for stuff financially. And I think as genders, male to female, because women are getting better jobs, getting more money, mm-hmm. getting paid more money, um, going in for roles that you would you used to see in yesteryear men take, that women are now in those spaces, in these male-dominated fields, and um, owning their own house, owning their own stuff, like mm-hmm. just doing them, that somehow it's been turned on them, like, oh, so you own your own house, so you don't want a partner? What does that have to do with... I own my own house because I want... I mean, I wish I had a house. But a person owns their own house because they want to provide for themselves without the need for somebody else to call upon to say, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, can I... Who wants to live in a life where you're like, oh, you know, can I get... I want to go to the movies. Can you give me money for the movies and popcorn? Mm -hmm. Popcorn's like $30. (laughs) Like, I want (laughs) to... Like, oh, can you give me some money for the movies and popcorn? I want to get a large. Like, can you... Nobody wants to do that. So that was, like, so long ago that women had to do that that now they're like, no, I'm paying for my own movies. I'm paying for my own car. I'm paying my own Mm -hmm. mortgage. I'm paying for, like... They want a job that creates an environment where they feel safe enough to provide for themselves. And also, they want a partner who comes into their life who can complement that. But men have this warped view of oh she's got all her own it goes to them they feel like they can't provide so because they Mm -hmm. feel emasculated in that moment I have nothing to provide for her they think when all she really wants is emotional connection yeah Um, which they don't understand they think well you know she's got a nice car I can't buy her a car so therefore she's taken care of I can't do anything no you can do stuff for her just not yeah because it's like the emotional labor for most men and i'll i'll preface it by saying most men (laughs) um has been done for them yeah and so yeah like you said it's it's hard for them to understand that they're looking for emotional security and i feel like most people or at least myself i'm looking for emotional security um as opposed to someone coming in and being like, I'm going to take care of everything. Um, I also saw this like post, which I thought was really funny, was saying how because things, yeah, like women are are doing for themselves, right? They're creating the, and building their own legacy. And just everyone is looking for personal fulfillment, you know? Like you want to feel whole. You don't want to sit around waiting for a partner in order to feel like your best self or feel like you found yourself you want to find that within right so that when you're like you said when you're in partnership should you get into partnership you have something to share with someone you have something to build on top of but i saw this post that was just like because of that like men now find that like it's not enough to just have a job or like money or 
or a degree or what, whatever it is that, or to look good. It's like, you have to have a personality. Like, you have to be, <laughs> in, you have to be interesting now. Like, you have, and that is where they're struggling because so many of them are like, like oh, wait, I, fuck, I don't have a personality. Right. <laughs> I'm I was, not I actually was, I was leading with my wallet and my money and my yeah. career. Like, I'm yeah. a banker. That that just automatic. I'm an athlete. I'm a basketball player. That you automatically. I'm a rapper. You automatically. I'm a country singer. Whatever it is, you automatically lead with your profession. A lot of men do that um, because <laughs> you're right. They don't have the personality to like. Okay, so I met a guy once um, in New York City. I used to go to this place. Have you ever been there? It's called Chi Chi's. I don't know if it's still around. It was oh, right. Sounds so familiar. It was a black gay bar that was right next to the Path Train, um, in uh, off of West Fourth. And oh no! Mm-mm. It so like right next to the piers, and um, I when I worked at this ice cream parlor, I some nights because again I would get out really really late, and the bars would still be open. I'd be like, oh, I'm just going to go treat myself to like a rum and coke. And I would go Mm. and walk there and just have a little moment, listen to some music. And it was a nice environment. And it was also nice to be around like my people, like see other Mm. black and brown people in there. And um, I sat there one time and this guy came over to me and he sat next to me and he's like, oh, you know, we were just having idle chit chat. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, oh, he's like flirting with me. And um, he said, oh, like, oh, let me buy you a drink. I was like, okay. I was younger then. Like, I don't really want men buying me drinks now, but that's a whole conversation. <laughs> um, but then I was like, oh, whatever. Like, I'm a college kid, ice cream parlor job, working for tips. So, um, or I should say tap dancing for tips, really. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I, he said to me, so he buys me this drink. And we're sipping on that and just talking. And he's like, oh, you know, I have a house. I have an apartment in Brooklyn. Um, I work off Wall Street, blah, blah, blah. Leading with all that stuff that we were just talking Mm. about. And then towards the end, he's like, oh, do you want to go back to my place? And I was like, no, I don't. Mm. Um, And he said, but I just bought you a drink. Mm -mm. I was like, (laughs) I said to him, and I don't know what possessed me to say this because I was really, really young. I was like maybe 22, 23. And I said, you bought me a drink, not a house. (laughs) (laughs) He he gave me this face like, what? And I'm like, no, I'm not going to, like, I I jokingly say that, but I'm I'm not going home with you because you bought, like, you chose to buy me a drink. Mm -hmm. I, I, I just thought we were having, like, a conversation. I didn't. For sure, and I was I, I allowed the conversation to continue because I was interested in him and the what he was talking about, and like ask I asked him questions about his job, and I was somewhat attracted to him. But I don't understand who you're meeting or even whoever you're meeting. That's not me. So mm-hmm. he really thought based on providing this information of what his job was, and I own an apartment and come with me. And first of all, Brooklyn, like come on, and I own an apartment and come with me back to Brooklyn, and I bought you a drink. It was bizarre yeah yeah again it's just that gross sense of entitlement like that you know patriarchy has afforded men for gosh like a millennia it feels like that 
they yeah like that they struggle with what to do when it's when it's being pushed back against of like no i don't owe you my time my attention i don't owe you shit like yeah yeah and and i get it because this is what they've been told men are supposed to do this is how men behave this is how you prove that you're a man like i get it it's not something that people today have created for themselves but has been created for them but it's also like you get to a certain point i hope where you want to take accountability for yourself for your life for for the the state of the relationships that you have and you and you want to start analyzing like am i being myself like who am i like is like are my do my relationships feel reciprocal or fulfilling are they empty like i don't know it's just like don't you don't y'all wonder like yeah where, like where's the introspection <laughs> and like who are you without your job and also who are you with your job because i've met mm-hmm. a lot of people who work in different industries and they are so much their job that which isn't necessarily a bad thing depending on the mm-hmm. actual job but unhappy with their job and i'm like why don't you change your job like i don't like what what is what is your job and how how are you like who are you at work who are you in this career who are you with this role have you thought about that or are you just mindlessly going through the motions and clocking in and clocking out there's a whole personality to your employment Mm-hmm. That completely gets so. Oh, good for you! You're a banker. Yay! Good for you! Work on Wall Street. Yay! What is that? Yeah. What is that? What is that? What is that role to you? What are you in that role? What choices do you make professionally within that job that can arm someone with information that shed light on who you are professionally and what your personality is? And have you mm-hmm. even thought about this, or are you just clocking in and clocking out? Yeah, and I will say too, like, it's, I feel like people are realizing it's not always, like, just about the job. Like, Mm. yes, there is this sort of language now, culturally, I feel like where we have, like, um, I'm going to sing a Cardi B song, which is like, (laughs) broke, (laughs) broke boys don't deserve no pussy, you know, like, like that is a part of the sort of, I don't know, dynamic that we're we're entering as we start to talk about like equity and equality but i think it it means like if i'm if i'm going after my own goals whatever they are whether i'm working like you said at the ice cream parlor and pursuing my dreams on the side or i'm working on wall street or i'm trying to start my own business or i'm trying to pursue a a career as an artist like i think it's just like folks want to see that you are doing something and not necessarily like it has to be this high achieving thing right because you we each get to determine what success looks like for us right right so it's not always the end goal yes yes exactly exactly yeah i totally agree it's so great having you here and talking about this stuff i know we've opened up into a whole array of um, yeah things which happens in um conversations um particularly insightful ones so i'm really glad that you were able to talk to me um this week about that tragedy in new york i honestly i hope it obviously we hope we don't it doesn't happen again mm-hmm. but they just last year by the way just to end this um 
they were talking to the Supreme Court about having New York, like more people in New York being able to walk around with like open. It sounds like from what I was reading, it was going to be like an open carry state. Mm. And I'm like, uh, and you know, we say state because New York is a state. People often think of Mm -hmm. just the five boroughs, but New York is a state. Mm -hmm. So there are other areas outside of New York, New York city. But like the idea of, can you imagine? I like, I can't even imagine being on the L train, which I used to ride and sitting next to somebody who just has a gun out. No, it's absolutely horrifying. The ma- I would say the majority of people who reside in New York City don't need to be anywhere near a firearm. No. Like, at all. And also, like, there is a huge houseless population here. There's a lot of... And a lot of those mm. folks are suffering with addiction, with yeah. untreated, you know, mental illnesses. So it's just, it's just not a good situation to put, like, armed people who are already going to be like tense and anxious amongst people who are already troubled like it yeah. i just don't see that going well at all yeah it's not a good fit um so thank you very much are you you're still doing the brownstone podcast right um but the brownstone with jerry monique is is on hiatus <laughs> Um, indefinitely, but thank you so, so, so much for inviting me back. I've had a wonderful, wonderful time. And I know like our conversation has run the gamut. Um, (laughs) but I think that's really awesome. And it's what I love about these kinds of conversations and, and just sharing in our experiences together. And I'm super grateful. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. And listeners, as always, thank you for listening.